0: Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Open your Bibles to uh, Hebrews chapter 3. Will actually be in uh, chapter three, verses seven all the way down through four eleven again. Um, maybe asking why are we still working with rest? Here's why: uh, we are actually working our way through uh, Mark, and in Mark we came to the place where Jesus had come to the Sabbath, and on the Sabbath he had gone to the synagogue, and we had talked about the the fact that the the habits that Jesus developed our habits, we need to also consider ourselves and follow his example. Jesus was working, was doing something on the Sabbath that he called rest. And some of the others were calling it work. Well, which is it? Is it rest or is it work? Well, we we decided then we would look at what rest is about. What is rest? Because Jesus said he's Lord of the Sabbath. And if anybody ought to know what the Sabbath rest is about, it ought to be Jesus. And we came through Hebrews and we found that, yes, in fact, there is a rest for God's people. Yet, some will not enter that rest. So, I'd like to talk to you today, one more thing about the rest that God has planned for us. Now, um, I want you to know right up front, God has a rest that's planned for you. But that rest may not be what you think it is. Okay? It it finally gets, well, I'll come to that in a minute. That rest that God has planned for us, he has exampled in many ways throughout time. He gave an example of it with the Sabbath, where on the Sabbath, you weren't permitted to do any common work, and you still got to eat. You weren't permitted to do anything, and you still had life. You still had breath. You still were taken care of. Matter of fact, you had the joy of the Lord that was given to you on that very special day that you took rest. That was an example to them. That was supposed to be something that made you want to look get to the, the big one that's coming. There was a rest that was given by Joshua. When Joshua brought them into the land and they fought their way through the land, they finally got rest from their enemies. That was an example. As an example, it was to show us that there's another bigger rest coming yet, that there is a Sabbath to come that's way beyond anything you've seen here but he wants to give you a taste for it. You see, that's God's school. The way he does things is to give us a taste for something to make us want to do it, rather than just forcing us. When he does commands, our nature is such that we just say, how can I break that? (laughs) Not how can I keep it? How can I break it? And why would you put such a restraint on me? it's not, that's not the way he wants to do with us. He wants to change us from the inside, give us so that we want to have a desire, so that when he places something out there, we want that. We'll reach to that. One of the things I've been been wanting to say for a number of years now is that I think our presentation of the gospel is only partly true. It's not the part about the Lord Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. Not at all. It's about the destination. It's about what its, what its actual goal is. He has a goal in mind for us, kids. He has something in mind for us. He is conforming us to the image of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is making us just like Jesus. And I want to hope to show you this morning what that has to do with anything, why that's so important to see. So let's let's take this. Let's make sure we understand this. To be a Christian, to be what God intends, requires time. You cannot shortcut God's process of making you like His Son. You're alive. And every experience, underline every, every experience you're going through is a lesson in being like the Lord Jesus Christ. He took in everything just like you did. He lived a life just like we did, like, or like we do. And it takes time to get through that. Number two, you can't be impatient. If you try to cut short what God's doing or think that there's some quick way to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're missing the point. There isn't. It's a life process that goes on in me. Number three, don't give up. It's easy to say, This is so hard, I think I'll just give up. It just keeps going on. It just seems like I'm always getting to find some other failure, or I'm always having to pray, ask for something else, or I'm always asking, I'm always feeling like I'm a total disaster. Yes, you will. That's how he makes you hunger to be a success. That's how he makes you hungry to stop doing the way you have been doing. Remember what they call insanity? Doing the same thing you have been doing and getting the same results. Why keep doing that? Why not try it his way for a while? Come to him for rest. Stop trying to be something and let him be that in you. It means also that you can't settle for contentment. One of the things that hurts the the believer so much is contentment. Just since you know you're not going to really be the the water walker you wanted to be, since you're not going to be the great success that you want to be, might as well quit, and just be content with such things as you have. You know, prosperity is not always good for Christians. It's not always the best thing. You know, um, Jesus said at this was hard for the rich to get into heaven. Why? They're content. They're content. They don't have a hunger. They don't want anything anymore. They've got everything they need, so it's hard to be hungry. It's hard to want something else when you got what you want. As he puts it in Romans chapter 8, why do we hope for that which we already have? If, if the, you're living a pretty good life, and believe me, I, Americans live pretty good lives. If you're living a pretty good life, why would you look forward to heaven or the kingdom or anything else? That is just kind of icing on the cake. Yet for many poor people in the world, it's the cake. It's the meal. It's everything because they have nothing else. All right. So let's just uh, let's work our way through this. God has always intended a rest for his people. And I mean that as I, I set up the platform as a timeline again, I'm going all the way back here to creation again. I'm telling you, he intended a rest right here. He intended for Adam and Eve to live in that rest right here. But by distrust, we don't get to live in that rest anymore. And by distrust, all of us, all through this whole period of time, don't get to be in that rest because of distrust. And I'll show you why that's, that's true in just a moment. Rest is the teamwork of God and His images to fill the earth with His glory. That's the way we're going to do it. He, he was going to give them, look, you're You're just created. You're, you're three hours old. What does it mean to die? I don't know. What does it mean, the knowledge of good and evil? I, I don't know. What does it mean tend the garden? Um, I, what does it mean to keep it? He's going to teach him. He's going to teach him what all of that means. They're going to walk together. Matter of fact, if I can use Jesus' illustration, Adam and Eve are going to get into the yoke with God, and they're going to walk along together. They're going to learn. They're not to be doing that by themselves. He's not giving them a by-themselves job. He created us to work together. It's a team. Just like the Father, Son, and the Spirit, That's a teamwork to work with God and man. It was, as it's called, Synergistic. It's, monog- it's monogistic when he creates all the people. It's synergistic when the people have to work with him. Everybody see what I'm saying? All right. So that's what he intended from the beginning. Humans were not creators, but they were lords of the planet. What's he say? Let's make man in our image. Let him have dominion over the, f- the birds of the air, over the animals that crawl or that are on the earth, and all the things that swim. We are supposed to have dominion over all of that. We're taking care of all that. We are in his place on this earth. You follow that? And we were going to be walking with him to learn to be lords of the planet. We are going to be like God. They are not the essence of God. In other words, we're not the same stuff. We're created. So we can't be God like he's God. But we can be lords as he's made us and given us his attributes. He's given us His character. Are we with me on that? This is important because that's the goal for you. That's the goal. The goal's not to get to heaven. Because here's what I know: as long as what the goal is is what you've already got, you're not going to work for anything. What do I mean by that? If you believe that by trusting Jesus Christ you're already gone to heaven, then why do you work for anything else? Why even bother to take us through the process of making disciples? Why even bother to teach us, to show us anything? Why not just take us home immediately? You trust Jesus Christ, boom, you're gone. He didn't do that. He left us here. Why? Because he wants to work with us. He's working with us to make us just like Jesus was. Matter of fact, if you remember, Jesus learned obedience to the things which he suffered. He was in school the whole time. From the time Jesus was born to the time he died, he was in school with his dad. His dad was teaching him everything. Jesus said it this way, I don't do my own stuff. I'm not giving you my own words. I'm giving you the words that my father gave me. I, I, I'm not doing my own miracles. I'm doing the miracles the father showed me. I'm not doing my own thing. I can't. I'm with my father that's the school, and that's the school Jesus has enrolled us in. Everybody with me? All right, here we go. A number, a letter um, C. We are in the schooling for lords, and it's the same example that Jesus and the disciples used, all right? But then another one came along and hacked school. Another one came along and said, look, how would you like to be a god without having to go through all that training every day? What if I could show you a way that you could get the knowledge of good and evil without all that work? Wouldn't it be worth it? Besides, the big guy lied about it. You're not going to (laughs) die. He knows that when you take this, you're going to be just like him. He doesn't want you eating this thing. taste it. I know you'll like it. And she looks at it and says, it does look good. And it does have enough in it to make a person like God. And it really is tasty. (laughs) And school was hacked. Right there, we lost student status because now we're not walking with the one. You see, to walk with God required trust, and we just broke it. We can't walk with God. When you can't walk with God anymore, when you are separated from God, that's called death. On the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. You'll be separated from me. If you eat what I told you not to eat, it means you trusted somebody else. If you eat what I told you not to eat, it means that you trusted yourself, that you thought you were smarter than me, and you'll be separated from me. We can't walk together. School ends. Distrust equals sin. Sin equals separation or death. And then separation equals hard work without God's aid on land that fights against us. You remember what the curse was? And this is is what used to puzzle me, but it doesn't puzzle me anymore. I see what the deal is. Why curse the ground? Because before what you were going to do, you were going to walk in the yoke with him. The ground's just producing it. All you're doing is taking care of it. Yep, little water here. Yep, oh, a little bit of sunshine for that one. There we go. You're just taking care of it and, by the way, plucking along the way and eating up. You didn't have hard work to do. But when distrust came, you cursed the ground. So what's going to happen now? Now, instead of just walking through and gently picking stuff up, you have to dig it out. And when you plant it, what comes up instead sometimes is briars and thorns and weeds and stuff you can't eat. Stuff that's not useful. What's the benefit of that? Why is God making it so hard? I think it's pretty simple. It's to give us a chance to repent. Every time you reach in to pick a tomato and what you get instead is a blackberry briar that just scraped you up all the way. Oh, oh, man. Oh ah, I wish I had never Oh. All all it takes is to see that and say, I repent. I was wrong. You know, Adam and Eve as far as I can see never repented. Never said a thing. They just accepted what was going on and left the garden. But they didn't get to walk with God anymore. And every time they had another briar, every time another weed came up instead of the food you're supposed to eat, every time you went to pick something and it wasn't the good food, it didn't taste right anymore, that reminded you you had messed up royally. Time to repent. What do we know about God and repentance? When, When there is a soul that repents, he says, I give mercy to thousands of them. He is ready to forgive, anxious to forgive, but it never came from them. It didn't come from Cain. It may have come from Abel, but we don't have a record of that. From then they were cursed with the knowledge of good and evil without the benefit of holiness and godliness to give it meaning. You see what would have taken place if they continued walking with the Lord back here in that yoke and in that union to see what would have happened? They'd have been walking like him. They'd have been picking up godliness. They'd been picking up holiness. They would have been now just like him. But with that yoke broken, what they have now is the knowledge of good and evil, but they don't have any godliness or holiness to back out. So now I'm not sure how to use my goodness. Now I'm not sure how to use my, my uh, holiness. I'm not sure I know how to use evil anymore. Matter of fact, I may learn to use evil for my own benefit. And many of them did. Cain killed Abel. And conquest went all over the place as people did evil to one another. So evil, in fact, that God had to destroy the whole thing. Faith is the operating principle of the cosmos of this age, letter G., it's the tool through which the rest is established. You, you can't have rest if you don't have faith. They have to go together. So when you're walking in that same yoke with him, then rest is what you have. But when you try to pull all by yourself, you don't have rest. You have work without God's aid. And it's useless. It's fruitless. All right. Without faith, there is no rest. Without faith, there is no relationship to God, and he is the necessity of rest. And rest is the final state of the faithful. God has planned a rest for you in which you are in union with him forever and ever and ever. And you get to taste that along the way. But, may I say, the door to rest is not always open. The door to rest is not always open. Now we look at Hebrews chapter 3. And again, here's an introduction to the book of Hebrews, a brief one if I can. Hebrews is a book written to people who were Hebrew in background, Jewish in background. They understood that they had come all this way through the covenant God had with them. They were God's chosen people. And along the way, they had, came, they had come in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and they had put faith in him. But now the promise of Jesus coming back again hadn't been fulfilled. This is 30 years ago. It's been 30 years, and we thought he was coming just the next day. We thought he'd come within a few days of the time. It's been 30 years now. Nothing. And what have we got for it? Well, the Romans hate us. The Jewish people hate us. Our own families are rejecting us now because we're not walking in their way anymore. This is a bad deal. So what if we were wrong? What if we weren't right about this? What's it going to hurt to go back to the temple and maybe offer a sacrifice or two every now and then? Well, what's it going to hurt to keep all the law? and all? It's not going to hurt anything. I can't see that. Uh, why do we need to go to these Christian meetings all the time? And they started leaving the meetings. That's where you get the verse, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves is it the practice of some. They started leaving the meetings. And so now this writer is writing to them saying, you, no, 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 guys, just because Jesus had come back, that's not the time to quit. This is not the time to quit. Stay with it. Keep on believing. If you, let me show you an illustration. Don't you remember what happened to our fathers? Don't you remember what happened to our brothers and sisters? Can't you remember? Think back. So he's giving them back now to their history. So Hebrews 3, 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion and in the day of the trial in the wilderness. Oh, that's back in the Exodus. Now they're back in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart and they've not known my ways. I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. So here they were. They had started out well. Did everybody leave uh, Egypt? Oh, yeah. Everybody left Egypt. Did everybody cross the Red Sea? Oh, yeah. Everybody crossed the Red Sea. Did everybody come to the mountain and watch all that fireworks and stuff that went on there? Yes, they did. All of them. Yet God was not pleased with all of them because they started complaining that he's not a good God. He's not taking good care of them. They started living their own way. They started doing things the way they wanted to do them. This is the group that had seen all these miracles that God did. They saw all ten plagues. They saw the sea open up, and they walked on it. They saw the sea close back on their enemies. They saw water sweetened. They saw food. They have seen victories in battles. Yet, when a circumstance arises, they don't they don't trust him anymore. We're done with that. I'm giving up on this. This this is crazy. Why do we keep doing this? Why'd you bring us out in the wilderness? Not enough graves in Egypt? Why you bring us out here? Why we gotta die out here? Been better for us if we'd stayed. God was angry with him for that. And because of his anger, he said, You shall not enter my rest. I'm done. I've listened to you for 40 plus years. I'm not listening anymore. I'm done. Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Look, we're sorry, okay? We, maybe we spoke a little hasty. We'll go ahead and go on in. And he said, no. Don't do it. I won't be with you, he said. Now, why is that important? Right back here if he's not in the yoke with you, you'll die. The only place there's rest is when you're in the yoke with him. Everybody with me? All right. So the Hebrews are facing that. Israel provoked God with under unbelief. Look what he goes on to say in verse 12. Now, That's what he said to them. Pick up, verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But instead, exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we become, look at this, partakers of Christ. What what do you suppose it is that something is a partaker with Christ? Listen, if, if you're a partaker with it, you're a part of it. And Jesus said and made this prayer that you have been united with him. He is making you just like he is. So we have been made partakers with Christ. If, our, uh, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Now, look, no one can snatch you out of the hand of my father. But that's counting on you being a believing person. And, and if I can just say, I, I wrote something down. And let, me, let me pull this out because I want to... Share this with you. Faith is not an event, but an ongoing progressive process of trusting more continued revelation from God based on the confidence gained from trusting his previous actions. Faith goes on and on. Faith is not an an event, oh, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That makes it sound like it's an event, you are trusting Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. It's not an event, it's an ongoing process. And every day that a new challenge comes in, you're saying, Lord, this is a new challenge. New challenge. What should I do? Trust me. Trust me. That's what I'm asking you to do today. Trust me on this one today, can you? You did yesterday. You remember last year when we went through a thing kind of like this? You trusted me then. Trust me now. What, do, I, do I hear you getting anxious? Put the anxiety aside. Pray to me. Thank me. This is, the, this is the school, kids. This is the lesson. This is how you learn it. Thanksgiving, followed by request, and my son's mind will give you rest. You'll be at peace. Trust me. That's the rest. That's how you enter the rest. But if you're going to be anxious, if you're going to be all upset, if you're going to be all worried and all that, then you can't rest. He can't enter that with you. He can't give you his peace because you believe you're somehow in charge and that he might be dumb enough not to do it the way you want. Guys, we have to be so careful, don't we? Our prayers consist sometimes of telling exactly what he has to do. And when he doesn't do it exactly that way, which, by the way, options are a lot of things he's got. When you own the universe, you've got lots of options. And it's probably not confined to the one little box you put him in that he's got to do it a certain way. You may find out that he answered the prayer in a way that absolutely unfolded the whole thing way out here that you didn't even know about yet. Wow, what an awesome God. Well, let me go on further with you here. He swore they would not enter his rest, and the door closed. Man, they're not going to get to do it. But there were some who went in. And some of those who went in, they're getting rest as a picture again. They're getting rest from their enemies. Now, look, he has various terms that, that describe this. He calls it unbelief, hardening of the heart. It's uh, They go astray in their hearts. They, they follow the deceitfulness of sin. They test God. They, they do not know his ways. Those are all things he uses as various terms that are about unbelief. It, it, it won't matter which of those terms that you're, you're engaged in at any given time, but they'll take away your joy. They'll take away your peace, and they'll take away your victory. The rest that he was going to promise to Israel was to get them into a land that flowed with milk and honey. Were there going to be some difficulties in it? Yes, there sure would. But here's the deal. You were going to go with him through it. He, he showed them that as soon as they got in the land. What's the first battle to go to? Jericho. Okay, you stay with me. Do it my way. Okay, what's your way? What kind of swords we use on this one? Big long swords? Short swords? Little knives? Stones? Who are we going to use this time? Maybe some cannons? we got to get them to say. No. We're, we're going to walk around the city and blow horns. What? Yeah, walk around the city and blow horns. Walk around the city and blow horns. Sun Tzu forgot to put that in his book. So... Now that they win the first victory, how'd they win it? With him. With him. In the yoke. So now, oh, this looks like it's going to be easier than they thought it was. Uh, why don't you guys go on up that little town up there, that AI place. Let's go up there, clean up on that one, and we'll, we'll be finishing up down here, all right? They go up to AI, and what happens? Whooped. That's a good Ozark term that means they got beat. Whooped. They didn't win. And they're repenting. What what happened? What happened? You can't do it on your own. I'm gonna take you all the way through this place, and I'm gonna put all your enemies down, and I'm gonna give you this place because we're working together. We're in this. This is what he calls rest. We're in it together. They never entered rest of the promised land, but died in the wilderness, having done nothing with their lives but surviving. It was a fruitless waste of life. this is the analogy we make. Why he's trying to show them this is there is a victory life for the believer. There is a life where you enter the yoke with him, and you're working with him, not for him. There is a place where you're walking in the Spirit, abiding in Christ with His words abiding in you, where you pray and you get answer. There is a victory Christian life that He's giving to people who will believe Him and keep on believing Him for every challenge that comes up, who are engaged in a process, not an event who don't keep looking back and say, I don't understand what happened. I trusted Jesus 35 years ago. What? what? Yes, it was 35 years ago. Update. You know, uh, get that little dialogue box that comes across your brain and say, update available. Click here. Update. Believe the new stuff. Believe the things that he's given you. you everybody see what I mean? So it's a victory life. The rest that Joshua could give them was a victory over their enemies into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's a victory life. Some people want to say that God's talking about heaven. He's not talking about heaven. Heaven is not the goal, kids. The goal is making us just like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you'll get to enjoy benefits along the way. But the benefits is not what it's about. Can I, can I say this? It's not ultimately about living in the land. It's about being a people who know how to live with God in a land. Is that making any sense? It's different, kids. It's just it may look a little different. Here's, here's what God was concerned about in Deuteronomy 8. He said, here's what I'm concerned about. If you don't keep walking with me, if you don't keep up with my covenant, if you don't keep up with my words, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go into the land and I'm going to prosper you. And when I prosper you, you're going to forget me. And you're going to think that you somehow prospered yourself. And you did this great thing for yourself and it won't be long until your soul is narrow. And you can't remember me anymore. You can't remember it was me that gave you what you have. And when that happens that way, I will bring to you the Midianites. I will bring to you the Amalekites, and they will take all your food from you. They will take away all that benefit that I gave you because you didn't remember who I was. Everybody see where I'm coming from? Kids, we don't want to lose anything in this walk. We want to be people who are on top of this and in the rest with it. let, Let me go on. Letter F, Joshua did bring the believers to the promised land. Like the Sabbath, it was a picture to them of God's ultimate rest if they but believed him. Uh, we used to say here, so, some wonderful things happened to us when, when we first got here. Uh, after starting about 83, 84, something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers. Um, we had uh, a, a, lot, a lot of debt. Here at the church, we had a a pretty good-sized debt. And uh, because of the way we were, uh, we missed up a couple of dates, we were getting behind on it instead of ahead on it. So it looked like we were going backwards with that debt. It was hard for the number of people that were here to make a a pretty good-sized payment. At least one of those payments was $5,400 a month. It was difficult. it, It meant sometimes you had to do things just as narrowly as you could. We didn't have this building at that time. We were over in the um, uh, area that has the uh, classrooms and the library and all that. And we every day set that up for Berean Christian School or for church, whichever it was. We had to tear down walls and put things up, and it, it was work. But God blessed us. God opened up avenues for us to be able to pay that debt off. And in, I think it was in by 1992... All of it was paid off. That wound up to be about a half a million dollars of debt was paid off by 1992. That was in a, what, nine-year period of time. That was a picture, just a picture. It was a picture of what God is willing to do to those who believe him. Once the debt started being panned down, people got excited about it. Uh, this is Joash Sunday. Every Joash Sunday, what we do, we had a, a little box that would be right down, well, obviously not in here. We had a box that was right down here, and, and people would walk down the aisle, and they would put an envelope in there, or put a cash, or a check, or whatever else in there, and then the guys would come pick this up, and they'd take it back out, and they, they'd go count it real quick, and then they'd come back with the figure on it, okay? And then we'd take this figure right here, and if it was Matching or greater than our um, building payment, we had that great big bell. You heard that one, that one day, and we rang that bell. Bong 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 bong. Wow, great! We made it. We beat it. We're above that right now. That started happening regularly. One day, I'm I'm reading it. They said the Jewish offering today was. Are you serious? Yeah. From who? You know, that makes you want to look around real quick and see, who am I not talking to sweetly enough? (laughs) My God, 49,000. Who has that? But that's what the offering was. Kids, we were taking that. Do you know how many building payments that'll make? Piles of them. You just put that in there, and we're starting to watch interest go down. Kids, it was a picture. The Sabbath is a picture of what God would do if we believe Him. The victory in the promised land was a picture of what we'll do if we'll believe Him. It's a picture and an encouragement for all who are believers to know, oh man, there is a rest coming for me that is out of sight. I can't wait to see what this one out here is going to be like. It's worth the discipline to get there. You follow me? It's worth the price. This is fantastic. Right. So let's do these. He said in verse 11, so if you look, look over in 411, he said, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Before I give you that one, just look back up in verse 10. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So in other words, you're not going to be trying to please God anymore with your human efforts. You're done trying to do awana without him. You're done doing Trail Life or American Heritage Girls or any other ministry without him. You're done doing it on your own. Now you're going to put yourself in the environment of Christ. Lord Jesus Christ Thank you for tonight that we're going to be working together on this project. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you tonight that we're going to be working together. Thank you today that we're going to be working in children's church together. I'm not doing children's church by myself. Thank you, God, today I'm not doing Sunday school by myself. Thank you today, God, I am not doing, name your ministry. I'm not doing it by myself anymore. I'm with you. I'm not trying to please you. I know that as I trust you, I have pleased you. I'm not waiting to see if the action I do is good. Because he's going to do an action through that. It is going to please him. But you're going to like it too. You're going to look at it and say, that, that was fun. That was actually fun. I'm glad I got to do that. That was exciting doing that with you, Lord. I didn't realize there could be that much fruit in it. That's why Jesus didn't call you to produce fruit. He called you to bear fruit. He said, if you abide in me, and I abide in you, and my words abide in you, you'll do this. You will bear fruit. That's what it was about. It's always teamwork. It's never doing it by ourselves. So here here are some ideas, things you can do. Trust, number one, that there is an ultimate rest for God's people. Why do I tell you that? He told you that. Know that there is a rest for God's people. There's one coming up. Number two, except that we who have believed the gospel have entered that rest. Look at chapter 4 and verse 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest as he has said. I think it was a Spurgeon maybe who was saying it this way, or, or maybe uh, Andrew Murray. I, I don't remember which one it was, one of the two guys. He said, can you imagine how foolish it is to be invited to a house? And as you're invited to the house and you come to the door and you knock on the door and the door is open for you and you you stand right there. He invites you to come on in and you stand right there saying, why? You only invited me to come to the house. (laughs) I've I've come to the house now. No. You come to the house to go in. The, The fellowship's inside. The joy is inside being with the host is inside. Walk on. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. In the same way you trusted him, walk on in. Go into the house. Don't stand outside at the door. Challenge yourself. He said that if, if I would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things be added, to, then challenge yourself. I am going to spend my time seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'm going to put God to the test that way. Do you really do? You say, wait a minute, you should put God to the test. Understand what I'm meaning by that. You're not, you're not saying he can't do this, can you? You're saying, I know he can do it. So I'm going to go ahead and try. This is what he said. I'm going to do what he said. Challenge yourself. All right? You've already entered it. You're already there just walk on in. Be diligent to continue what he has started. So surround your waking hours with thanksgiving and praise. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's the will of God. You want to know if you're doing the will of God or not? Are you complaining? Then you're not doing the will of God. Are you giving thanks? Then you are doing the will of God. All right. Thanksgiving and praise. Number two, letter B, I should say, word of God applying it as you learn. And I'm just going to say, especially the Gospels. I'm I'm having a wonderful time right now reading the Gospels pretty much each day, one a day. It takes a little while to get through it because I'm listening to it rather than trying to read through it. I don't read as fast as I listen. So as uh, as we're going through that, I'm learning more and more about the Lord Jesus Christ all the time. And I'm learning more and more that as I learn more about him, I'm now talking to him wow, Jesus, if that's what you did, that's what you did with them. That's a principle you're saying to me right now. I appreciate this principle. I appreciate what you're saying with this, all right? So, continuous prayer. Use Bible prayers. Don't, don't be afraid. Some, some people are afraid going, if they repeat something, it's, it's a, a violation of what Jesus taught us. What he was talking about is the um, People who bring up vain repetitions where they just keep repeating uh, not not necessarily the same phrase, but the same prayer they were going to ask over and over again. Look, you can take your time and memorize the the Lord's Prayer. And then after you've memorized it, start breaking it down. Father who art in heaven, Father, today I want to thank you. Now you're driving, okay? You're just driving. Father, today I want to thank you that you are in heaven, that you're watching over everything. You are sovereign over everything. I want to thank you for all that that means. I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for the way this is operating. Thy kingdom come. Thank you, Father. I believe in your kingdom. I believe that's what the ultimate is going to happen. I know you're going to bring a kingdom and and break it down for you. But what does that do? You're in the Word of God, so now the Word of God is abiding in you, Right? And because the word of God's abiding in you, you're now in that realm of Christ. And in that realm of Christ, now you are abiding in Christ and his word is abiding in you. Now what he wants to tell you, he's freer to tell. He can speak with you now because your ears are open. If you're over here listening to some political pundit speaking all the time, your ears are not open to hear what Jesus is saying. Get into the realm where Jesus is and let him speak with you. He's got things to tell you. Your goal isn't to be a better Republican. Your goal isn't to be a better Democrat. Your goal isn't better to be to be a better anything. Your goal is to be the son of God. Be it. All right? So, continuous prayer. Re- repeat the Bible prayers. Bring them over and over. Praise. Sing. Uh, we used to tell people, here's praise therapy. Go take this and listen to this praise music. And then radio came on. already had a praise music. So uh, get, get involved in acts of love and mercy. Call somebody. You know, do, do a biblical fast, and instead of eating, go buy a dinner and give it to somebody else. Give it to somebody you know hasn't got much food. All right. Rehearsing your position and believing what God says about you. Think about your purpose. Quit thinking that you're just going to heaven. You will go to heaven. But think about what you are supposed to be. I am supposed to be one of the lords of the earth. I am supposed to be someone that looks just like Jesus. That's what I'm going to practice. That's where I'm headed. That's where I'm going. Use symbols and reminders as needed. We use symbols and reminders all the time. All around you. Here are these four on either side. Those are symbols and reminders. As you look at them, you can say Jehovah Titkanu. That reminds me he's my righteousness. Thank goodness it's not my righteousness that saved me. It's the righteousness of my almighty God. If you need a reminder, like some people use three by five cards. They'll write a verse on on a three by five card and post it near the mirror. Post it near the light switch. Post it on. Uh Israel had a I forget what I think it's called a mezuzah. Uh It was a, a, a little metal plate that was right beside the doorpost, and in it was the word of God. They would touch it to remind themselves of the word of God, the whole word of God that's supposed to be in them. They wore little um, frontlets in there. They put a little leather bag in here and put the word of God in it. They wore it on their wrists. If you need a reminder, then use a reminder. Don't be, don't be afraid of it. But grow. 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 Okay? Use symbols, reminders as needed. Read good books. Listen to good books. Look, if you have you have a hard time being a reader, then get an audiobook and start reading good books through audiobook. You can listen to them as you travel. Um, my vehicles have become a university. I I listen to things like that inside there. I'm in a university class all the time. Every time I go someplace from one place to another, it's now the university, Mobile University. uh, I guess we'll call it the White Mobile University. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, anyway. Listen to good messages. Man, there are so many. good. I, I listened to a great message by Spurgeon. He's like been dead for a while, but it was a great. Somebody was taking one of his sermons and was preaching it. What a great sermon. And I got to hear one by Andrew Murray, who also has been gone for a long time. Great sermon. Beautiful. There are many good messages out there. Build good, godly relationships. The uh, Celtic Christians have something they call the Anamkara. And the Anamkara is a good companion, a good friend of yours. It's somebody that you can actually, that you know well enough that you can disciple each other. That you can confess to each other. That you will pray for each other. Somebody that will be a friend for you all the time. Listen, those are few and far between. So when you get one, be good to it. All right? But build a good, solid relationship with somebody like that. All right? Practice faith. Extend yourself. There's a great book called Do Hard Things. And all it's simply saying is quit being afraid of everything or quit being lazy. Just go do it. Get started and do it, okay? See yourself in the will and the hands of God. If you know that you're in the will and the hands of God, then what's happening to you is happening where? In the will and the hands of God, right? It's not an accident, and you may be concerned about it. You may be thinking, oh, I don't hate this. I hate this, okay? Once you get over your initial hate, drop it and say, thank you. I don't know what you're doing. But I know this, I trust you. I don't have to trust this event, but I can sure trust you. And I'm going to give thanks for whatever you've got in mind here because I'm in school and you've got another lesson for me. Get a good Christian friend to grow with. Start looking forward to Christ coming. And I, I should say, not just a good Christian friend as it was up there, build good godly relationships, build a team of people. Build a team of people. Can I say, I think we're going to need each other more than we ever thought we would before. The way it looks like to me, things are going to crash down one day, and when they do, you better have built some good godly relationships with people, or you're going to be by yourself, and you won't make it by yourself. The people who are coming up next are not nice people, and the things they got in mind are made to destroy you. All right? We have an adversary that hates us. Well, then I'll say lastly start looking forward to Christ coming. Start looking forward to it. Not as a relief. Oh, Please get me out of this mess. I've got myself in a deep debt, and I'd really like to know that I'm out of here before the debt has to do, okay? No, it's because I can't wait to see what you're like. I've read all this. I've been through this. I've walked with you, but I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see what you've been preparing for us, all right? Father, thank you so much for these, my brothers and sisters, for our opportunity to be together, to study, to learn, to know more. Please open our hearts to the truth of these things, And I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, maybe for the first time in your life, uh, God has actually spoken to your heart about some need that you have, that you know that you haven't really trusted Christ yet. Please, before you leave this place today, talk to somebody about trusting Christ or trust Christ right right where you're seated. But you have to trust Him. There is no other way in this life, all right? God bless you. Jesus Christ is Lord, and He's coming again, and He's got a great plan a great purpose for you. Live it out this week. Live it out. Challenge yourself. Get, a, get get yourself into the realm of it. Get down with some Word of God. Memorize some Word of God. Be around it all the time. Let the Word of God change you, and it will. Well, God bless you. Whatever you do this week, be successful. Be the person given over wholeheartedly, Lord Jesus Christ. Put some discipline in your life. We all need good discipline. Amen? Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the truth of the gospel and the way that you have given it to us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for his work in us. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for what you're going to do in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday Morning Message is broadcast live.